Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I believe I just heard the president will be saying something in 10 or 15 minutes, so... Uh... We'll play it live. If we have a commercial, I'll come right back with it. I've got a lot to cover here. First of all, let me say this. There's about 330 million Americans in this country. Of all backgrounds, all ancestries, all races. In fact, most of us are mixed race, quite frankly. All religions. And we're law-abiding. We love this country. Now, there are imperfect aspects of a big country like this, and there are imperfect people, imperfect organizations, and on and on and on. But men and women don't go off to war to die for a nation that is systemically racist. The overwhelming majority of people in this country, all races, are law-abiding. We wouldn't be law-abiding if our police forces were systemically racist. I'm quite tired of the notion that bad cops, or bad people generally, are illustrative of or representative of the group as a whole. It is obnoxious, it is dangerous, it's inflammatory. Our system is not systemically racist. We have one of the most tolerant, Beneficent societies on the face of the earth. And it wasn't easy to get here. From slavery, from the Civil War, segregation, and on and on and on. And we have made tremendous progress, regardless of what people say. Regardless of what people say. And this idea... That we can become a more perfect union if we just embrace democratic socialism. If we just embrace more centralized government. is absurd. Absolutely absurd. It almost has nothing to do with it. President Obama and others have said among other things you need to get out and vote. 
We had Democrats rallying with protesters where I live, several thousand. And at the end, they said, you need to get out and vote. As if voting for Democrats will solve things. As if they're more just and more humane and more compassionate toward minorities. But they're not. I'm not bringing politics into it. I'm telling you what I'm hearing and seeing. You look at these cities, people vote, they vote for Democrats. As mayors, as city councilmen, you look at Minnesota and New York and Illinois and so forth, they vote. They vote for Democrats. In many respects, these are one-party states. These are one-party cities. So when they say you got to vote, what are they talking about? Vote for what? Vote for whom? I hear these analysts on TV talk as if this is some kind of a social experiment. Somehow we can separate the peaceful protesters from the violent protesters. So while Molotov cocktails are being thrown and storefronts are being burned to the ground and people are being threatened and people are looting, the cops are supposed to stand there while receiving incoming and figure out the good from the bad. Nobody's defending these cops. None of whom, to the best of my knowledge, has been charged with a civil rights violation. None of whom, to the best of my knowledge, killed an innocent human being. None of whom, to the best of my knowledge, has done anything wrong except try to protect their communities. What was done to George Floyd, and I said it here early, and I keep saying it, was so inhumane, so horrific. I don't know of anybody who hasn't condemned this. You don't put your knee on the back of a neck of another human being while they're handcuffed, face to the ground. They haven't even committed a violent act. He's telling you he can't breathe. He's begging you for his life, and you have it on the back of his neck. For what? Seven, eight, nine, ten minutes? What the hell did you think was going to happen? That's not what cops do in this country. That's what that POS did. And the others standing there. The three blind mice. Like I said, last week, they couldn't say, hey, get off his neck. What the hell are you doing? None of them. None of them. No, this isn't about slavery. The founder of BET now says we ought to put up $15 trillion in reparations. No, this isn't about slavery. This isn't about systemic racism. Quite the contrary. When this killing took place, I don't know of a single person. Not that I know everybody, but I don't know of a single person. Who didn't condemn it? All backgrounds, all walks of life. This was a moment to unite. To unite for justice, which was and is being meted out. And more to come, I'm certain. And more to come, I'm certain. And no, not because of the mob. Because of the rule of law. This was a very, very important moment. But I will not accept 
that there's systemic racism in America. You know, the American people pretty much get along. They really do. Pretty much get along. You ever look at a sports stadium? I mean, prior to the virus. All kinds of people in that stadium. They don't care about politics. They don't care where you come from. They don't care who you're married to. They don't care if you're gay or straight. Nobody cares. There we are. 60,000 people gathered together in a stadium. Cheering for one team or another. Like civil human beings. That's who we are. That's who we are. We are not going to be defined. I won't even mention his name. By this former bad cop. That doesn't define white America. That doesn't define police officers. Quite the contrary. Police officers, state, local, and federal are conducting the investigations. To punish him and likely the others. As they must. As they must. And I hate to use facts, but the facts do not bear out that police are systemically, police forces, generally, that they're systemically racist. As Daniel Horowitz pointed out in CR, according to the Washington Post database on police shootings, 17 unarmed African Americans were killed by police in 2018. Let's just assume the unlikely assumption that all 17 were unjustified in the mold of the choking death of George Floyd. That accounts for just 0.002% of the 7,407 black homicide victims that year, according to the FBI's Uniform Crime Report, the overwhelming majority of whom were killed by black criminals. 90% of black homicides were by black criminals. 90%. And nobody talks about this. Nobody focuses on this. We hear week in after week and 12 shot in Chicago. Six dead in Chicago. Police aren't killing those poor people. Hoodlums in their own communities. Gang members in their own communities are killing those people. I don't see any riots over that. Looting or arson over that. I don't even see any peaceful protests over that. I don't even see the media getting all that worked up over that. These are thousands and thousands of human beings that are killed in these communities. But people want to believe. People want to believe. Now as for this killer this former cop. There's no question in my mind as I really looked into this that he should have been charged with second-degree murder. Look, I'm not on the scene. I'm just telling you from where I sit. Why? In most states, second-degree murder is an intentional killing that is not premeditated or planned nor committed in a reasonable heat of passion or... Here's the point. Number two, a killing caused by dangerous conduct and the offender's obvious lack of concern for human life. Now, I've heard many say it ought to be first-degree capital murder. I heard Rudy Giuliani say that. Judge Jeanine say that. Well, they know what they're talking about. These are former prosecutors. 
But you have to prove your case. And the concern any prosecutor has is, geez, if I charge too hard, I might lose. Only takes one juror. And second-degree murder in Minnesota, as I looked it up, has a maximum sentence of 40 years. So that would be a life sentence for this cop, ex-cop. A life sentence. Now, I want to get more deeply into this when we return. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion? All students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this study. College. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. What has not really been tried in too many of our inner city neighborhoods and too many of our poorer communities, regardless of race, is something called Liberty. Liberty. We have a massive middle class in this country. We have people who have come out of poverty and have done very well. We have rich people, we have poor people. But the common thread that allows for success is liberty, not socialism, not one party rule. Liberty. Now, in order to have effective liberty, you have to have law and order. You have to have functioning schools where people can learn, where people become motivated, where they reject a career in crime or the easy buck. You need to have strong and functioning religious institutions. In other words, you need a civil society. But if you want to come in and overwhelm communities with top-down bureaucracy, paternalism, governmental paternalism and one-party rule, they're going to fail. How do we know? Because they have. I'll give you one strong example. All the decades I worked at Landmark Legal Foundation, Landmark and other libertarian and conservative legal groups, we have the great Pete Hutchinson now as the president of Landmark, we fought like hell for school choice in the inner cities, starting with Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We were opposed. 
by national black organizations. We were opposed by the National Education Association. We were opposed by the Democrat leadership. But there was a community activist, a Democrat state representative by the name of Polly Williams, who we stood with and represented and fought these powers that be. We had a Republican governor by the name of Tommy Thompson who endorsed it. This matter had to go to the United States Supreme Court after winning in the Missouri Supreme Court twice. Jenkins versus Missouri 1, Jenkins versus Missouri 2. In order to allow little black kids to go to schools where they could actually get educated without being in schools that were infested with criminality. This is liberty. This is choice. There was one such program in Washington, D.C. When Barack Obama became president of the United States, he killed it. Because his allegiance was to the teachers' unions. And a lot of these civil rights leaders were sellouts to the Democrat Party. It's that simple. Liberty, opportunity, real choice. This is why I grind my teeth in fury when I watch these riots and these looters and these arsonists. It's one thing for LeBron James and Michael Jordan, I know I'm taking on the icons, and Steve Curry to go on about systemic racism. It's one thing about them to go on about the cops, and it's time we get to the bottom of this, and so forth and so on. But let me tell you where the lasting damage is being done. It's being done by these rioters. Because these communities are not going to come back. Because people are not going to put their hard-earned money in there. And the people who live there, and own a little grocery store, or the pharmacist who comes out of the neighborhood and has decided to stay there, or the person who owns a little, a little clothing store, whatever have it, and they're burned out. They're done. They have no way of coming back. Target, these other big stores, they're not coming back. Jobs are lost. Opportunities lost. Hope is lost. These looters and arsonists and criminals are destroying these communities, many of whom don't even live in these communities. And when I come back, I'll expand further. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western Theological Tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. You know, I hear uh, some of the same media, some of the same people who have caused enormous division in this country over the course of the last several years. The same political analysts, the same hosts, the same guests, saying Trump needs to unite the country. Trump needs to say conciliatory things. I think he has said it over and over and over again. He's the one who unleashed the civil rights division and the criminal division and the U.S. Attorney's Office and the FBI against these police officers. But he hasn't done enough, you know, because he doesn't sound like Obama or Clinton. I think the time has come, ladies and gentlemen, to put down this insurrection. Because that's what it is. And there are, in fact, leftist groups. You know, in the 1960s, we had the Weather Other Ground, the Students for Democratic Action, and a host of Marxist anarchist groups. Well, you're seeing that now. It's not just Antifa. There's other groups involved in this, too. And their agenda is not an agenda of unity and peace. So it's absurd when people say the president just needs to speak to unity and peace and conciliation. There's an insurrection going on here of sorts. And I think the American people are getting pretty damn tired of this. I think the people in these communities who actually live there and try to eke out a livelihood are worn out and worn down. Many of these people are marching into these communities and then they leave at night. This is what athletes, movie stars, and others should be condemning. But the violence has to be put down, and unfortunately, it has spread so fast as a result of very poor decisions and indecisiveness by city mayors and state governors in these particular areas, that now I'm sure the federal government is going to have to begin the process of stepping in. And some of you might say, well, they should have stepped in earlier. It's not that simple. The United States military is not a police force. It's not a domestic police force. And there are all kinds of hoops you have to go through in order to trigger military domestic action. Plus, they have to get organized, because that's not normally their job. Riot control, arresting people, and so forth and so on. But a number of these organizations that are involved in promoting the violence, 
which has yet to be condemned by Nancy Pelosi. This is shocking to me. Yet to be condemned by Chuck Schumer. Yet to be condemned by LeBron James. Yet to be condemned by Steve Kerr. And I could go on and on and on. Is, is unconscionable to me. You can and should argue for better race relations in this country. For better conditions and so forth. That's the nature of politics. That's okay. That's good. That's America. But intentional silence in the face of riots and arson and looting and criminality, that's unacceptable. In some ways, it is shocking to me that it is assumed, as Leo Terrell puts it, great civil rights activist at ALA, that these Democrat leaders seem to think they're going to lose the black vote if they stand up against violence. No, they're not. Most human beings, black, white, yellow, red, they don't want this violence. They don't want violence, period. You see an interesting combination of people in these protests, including the violent protests. And they're not people who live in most of these communities. You see a lot of like white college age kids. Including, if not especially, involved in the violence. Let me tell you a little secret. The United States Department of Justice, it's been a long time since I was chief of staff there, a very long time, but... 30 years, more than 30 years, has the capacity to organize with intelligence agencies, with other law enforcement agencies, has a remarkable ability to gather intelligence on hate groups, terrorist groups, all kinds of organizations that are violent and seek to overthrow the government. It takes a little bit of time to pull all the information together, but they do. I want to remind you, under the Attorney General of the United States is the Bureau of Prisons, the United States Marshals, the Drug Enforcement Agency, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the United States Attorneys, the Civil Rights Division, and if he needs it, various elements within the Treasury Department, and in the Immigration operations there's a lot of databases there's a lot of information and I'm going to be honest with you now there's a lot of firepower I suspect that they've already infiltrated some of these groups I suspect they have all kinds of surveillance going on in these various crowds right now people throwing Molotov cocktails who think they're going to escape. Some will, some won't. But you hear a lot of mixed messages and you hear a lot of arguments. The answer is socialism. No, the answer is socialism. It doesn't make any sense. Most of the people who've done well in this country have done well because of 
capitalism. So why would you have socialism in the inner cities if it doesn't work? What's lacking, from my perspective anyway, is more freedom. Freedom, opportunity. Capitalism. There's plenty of government, plenty of corruption, plenty of one-party rule, plenty of voting, Barack Obama, Obama, for Democrats. That's who gets elected, perpetually. But I sense the public is growing very impatient with this. Over 300 million Americans who are law-abiding. Over 300 million Americans who are not racist. Who believe in the golden rule. There are things we should do. In, the, in, in all communities, but particularly these communities, with school choice. I've said this for decades. Look, it's not the end all and be all, but it's something that's very, very important. But we can't seem to get past the unions. And we can't seem to get past the Democrat Party. So failed schools, they're not the answer. Socialism, that's not the answer. More government, that's not the answer. Liberty, opportunity. I do think it would be very, very wise now for police departments all across this country to take a very close look on who you employ. Do you know if you have bad actors or not? By bad actors, I don't mean tough cops. I mean rogue cops. And get rid of them. Because look at these punishing attacks on our police officers. I love our police officers. This is the same people, ladies and gentlemen, who were the first responders on 9-11. The NYPD. The same people. FDNY. Who ran into burning buildings to save people, regardless of their race. And hundreds and hundreds died. Our first responders, who we're supposed to honor... Tell me, were those first responders systemically racist in the NYPD, in the FDNY? Of course not. All right, the President of the United States is about to speak. Go ahead, Rich. We don't have him yet. Will we have him soon? Well, I hear something in the background. Okay, well, we'll wait until uh, technically we can pick up the president's speech, which should be soon, I hope. All right, here we go. Here we go. Thank you very much. My fellow Americans, my first and highest duty as president is to defend our great country and the American people. I swore an oath to uphold the laws of our nation, and that is exactly what I will do. All Americans were rightly sickened 
and revolted by the brutal death of George Floyd. My administration is fully committed that for George and his family, justice will be served. He will not have died in vain. But we cannot allow the righteous cries and peaceful protesters to be drowned out by an angry mob. The biggest victims of the rioting are peace-loving citizens in our poorest communities. And as their president, I will fight to keep them safe. I will fight to protect you. I am your president of law and order and an ally of all peaceful protesters. But in recent days, our nation has been gripped by professional anarchists, violent mobs, arsonists, looters, criminals, rioters, Antifa, and others. A number of state and local governments have failed to take necessary action to safeguard their residents. Innocent people have been savagely beaten, like the young man in Dallas, Texas, who was left dying on the street, or the woman in upstate New York, viciously attacked by dangerous thugs. Small business owners have seen their dreams utterly destroyed. New York's finest have been hit in the face with bricks. Brave nurses who have battled the virus are afraid to leave their homes. A police precinct has been overrun here in the nation's capital. The Lincoln Memorial and the World War II Memorial have been vandalized. One of our most historic churches was set ablaze. A federal officer in California, an African-American enforcement hero, was shot and killed. These are not acts of peaceful protest. These are acts of domestic terror. The destruction of innocent life and the spilling of innocent blood is an offense to humanity and a crime against God. America needs creation, not destruction. Cooperation, not contempt. Security, not anarchy. Healing, not hatred. Justice, not chaos. This is our mission, and we will succeed 100 percent. We will succeed. Our country always wins. That is why I am taking immediate presidential action to stop the violence and We're not taking a break here. And safety in America. I am mobilizing all available federal resources, civilian and military, to stop the rioting and looting, to end the destruction and arson, and to protect the rights of law-abiding Americans, including your Second Amendment rights. Therefore, the following measures are going into effect immediately. First, we are ending the riots and lawlessness that has spread throughout our country. We will end it now. Today, I have strongly recommended to every governor to deploy the National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. Mayors and governors must establish an overwhelming law enforcement presence until the violence has been quelled. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve 
the problem for them. I am also taking swift and decisive action to protect our great capital, Washington, D.C. What happened in this city last night was a total disgrace. As we speak, I am dispatching thousands and thousands of heavily armed soldiers, military personnel, and law enforcement officers to stop the rioting, looting, vandalism, assaults, and the wanton destruction of property. We are putting everybody on warning. Our 7 o'clock curfew will be strictly enforced. Those who threaten innocent life and property will be arrested, detained, and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I want the organizers of this terror to be on notice that you will face severe criminal penalties and lengthy sentences in jail. This includes Antifa and others who are leading <laughs> instigators of this violence. One law and order, and that is what it is. One law. We have one beautiful law. And once that is restored and fully restored, we will help you, we will help your business, and we will help your family. America is founded upon the rule of law. It is the foundation of our prosperity, our freedom, and our very way of life. But where there is no law, there is no opportunity. Where there is no justice, there is no liberty. Where there is no safety, there is no future. We must never give in to anger or hatred. If malice or violence reigns, then none of us is free. I take these actions today with firm resolve and with a true and passionate love for our country. By far, our greatest days lie ahead. Thank you very much. And now I'm going to pay my respects to a very, very special place. Thank you very much. Well, there it is. Now all the commentators will jump in and tell you why that was a horrible speech. It wasn't conciliatory. And that Trump is a dictator. I thought it was a stunningly wonderful speech. A leader who's in charge. It's the sort of speech a Lincoln, an Eisenhower, a Reagan would have given in the face of what's taking place. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western Theological Tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. I only have 40 seconds. We'll talk more about this in the next hour, but I want to strongly advise you not to watch cable TV, not to listen to what people have to say about this. You heard what the president said. It was a uh, very, very important speech, very superb. And you just saw a leader. All these other elements, they don't want a leader. They're going to tell you, dictator this, he doesn't have this. Please put them out of your head. Americans first. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We are witnessing history here. President of the United States is walking through Lafayette Park, which was filled with rioters last night, to St. John's Church, which is a very important historical church in the history of this country and in Washington. It's been the Church of Presidents that was set on fire last night in the basement. And he is walking through Lafayette Park to St. John's Church, and he is showing to the rioters and the looters and the arsonists. By example, that they will not bring down this government in this country. And he's showing to us, the law-abiding citizens from every corner of the country, every background, every race. It's not a matter of uniting with rioters, it's a matter of standing up to them. It's a matter of standing up to them. Regardless of the press, I'm telling you, please ignore the press. Please ignore the press. They are destroying this country. The president of the United States, this is a historic presidency. This is a historic moment. And he is walking through Lafayette Park as I speak to go to the church to his right is the Attorney General of the United States, the Secretary of Defense, the Chief of Staff, and the Head of the Joint Chiefs, to his right and his left. I couldn't be prouder. I couldn't be prouder as an American. 
And just about 30 minutes ago, those of you who may have missed it, I'm going to play for you what the President of the United States had to say. Again, we don't need interpreters from the New York Times and CNN. Stay away from them. Stay away from them. These are bad people who have inflamed this situation. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. I swore an oath to uphold the laws of our nation, and that is exactly what I will do. All Americans were rightly sickened and revolted by the brutal death of George Floyd. My administration is fully committed that for George and his family, justice will be served. He will not have died in vain. But we cannot allow the righteous cries and peaceful protesters to be drowned out by an angry mob The biggest victims of the rioting are peace-loving citizens in our poorest communities. And as their president, I will fight to keep them safe. I will fight to protect you. I am your president of law and order and an ally of all peaceful protesters. But in recent days, our nation has been gripped by professional anarchists, Violent mobs, arsonists, looters, criminals, rioters, Antifa, and others. A number of state and local governments have failed to take necessary action to safeguard their residents. Innocent people have been savagely beaten, like the young man in Dallas, Texas, who was left dying on the street, or the woman in upstate New York, viciously attacked by dangerous thugs. Small business owners have seen their dreams utterly destroyed. New York's finest have been hit in the face with bricks. Brave nurses who have battled the virus are afraid to leave their homes. A police precinct has been overrun here in the nation's capital. The Lincoln Memorial and the World War II Memorial have been vandalized. One of our most historic churches was set ablaze. A federal officer in California, an African-American enforcement hero, was shot and killed. These are not acts of peaceful protest. These are acts of domestic terror. The destruction of innocent life and the spilling of innocent blood is an offense to humanity and a crime against God. America needs creation, not destruction. Cooperation, not contempt. Security, not anarchy. Healing, not hatred. Justice, not chaos. This is our mission, and we will succeed. 100%, we will succeed. Our country always wins. That is why I am taking immediate presidential action to stop the violence and restore security and safety in America. I am mobilizing all available federal resources, civilian and military, to stop the rioting and looting, to end the destruction and arson, and to protect the rights of law-abiding Americans, including your Second Amendment rights. Therefore, the following measures are going into effect immediately. First, we are ending the riots and lawlessness that has spread throughout our country. We will end it now 
Today, I have strongly recommended to every governor to deploy the National Guard in sufficient numbers that we dominate the streets. Mayors and governors must establish an overwhelming law enforcement presence until the violence has been quelled. If a city or state refuses to take the actions that are necessary to defend the life and property of their residents, then I will deploy the United States military and quickly solve the problem for them. I am also taking swift and decisive action to protect our great capital, Washington, D.C. What happened in this city last night was a total disgrace. As we speak, I am dispatching thousands and thousands of heavily armed soldiers, military personnel, and law enforcement officers to stop the rioting, looting, vandalism, assaults, and the wanton destruction of property. We are putting everybody on warning. Our 7 o'clock curfew will be strictly enforced. Those who threaten innocent life and property will be arrested, detained, and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. I want the organizers of this terror to be on notice that you will face severe criminal penalties and lengthy sentences in jail. This includes Antifa and others who are leading instigators of this violence. One law and order, and that is what it is, one law. We have one beautiful law. And once that is restored and fully restored, we will help you, we will help your business, and we will help your family. America is founded upon the rule of law. It is the foundation of our prosperity, our freedom, and our very way of life. But where there is no law, there is no opportunity. Where there is no justice, there is no liberty. Where there is no safety, there is no future. We must never give in to anger or hatred. If malice or violence reigns, then none of us is free. I take these actions today with firm resolve and with a true and passionate love for our country. By far, our greatest days lie ahead. Thank you very much. And now I'm going to pay my respects to a very, very special place. Mm-hmm. And the military and law enforcement cleaned out Lafayette Park. The president walked across the street unmolested to St. John's Church, which had been set on fire last night, stood in front, holding up his Bible. That will be a historic moment. That will be remembered for all time. I strongly want to encourage you, please don't listen to cable TV. Please don't listen to the commentators. Please ignore the New York Times. Post. They hate the country. They have divided this country. They have inflamed this country. And they don't give a damn about George Floyd or any of you. What you saw there was a leader. That's what you saw the speech and the actions. 
If you haven't tried Super Beats Soft Chews, you're really missing out. Super Beats Soft Chews combine non-GMO beets with a powerful new ingredient, grape seed extract. The grape seed extract used in Super Beats Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Better blood pressure means more energy, the way nature intended, without the jittery caffeine or stimulants. Now you can take just two delicious chews a day, anytime, anywhere, to get the blood pressure support you need and the energy you want. Do what I did and support your heart health with delicious Super Beats Chews. Get your Super Beats Chews today at levinsbeats.com, L-E-V-I-N-S-B-E-E-T-S.com. And when you buy two bags, they'll throw in the third for free. That's levinbeats.com, levinbeats.com. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin-Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin-Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin-Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. After this uh, brief discussion about a sponsor, I want to tell you about Stephen A. Smith. All good. You've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN. And now that a lot of you are working from home, it's even more important to choose a VPN you trust. Now, I like to do research on my sponsors, and I only recommend brands to my listeners that I believe in. And I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Here's why. Number one, ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Lots of really cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to ad companies. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your information. Number two, speed. I've tried lots of VPNs in the past. Many slow your connection down or make your device sluggish. Something else that really sets ExpressVPN apart from other VPNs is how easy it is to use. Unlike other VPNs, you don't have to input or program anything. You just fire up the app, click one button to connect. It's so easy, even your, well, even I can do it. So protect yourself with the VPN I use and trust. Use my expressvpn.com slash mark today. Expressvpn.com slash mark. Get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash mark. You know, Stephen A. Smith and I met many years ago. I believe it was at a radio event. We have our own unique personalities, but we both are very passionate about our beliefs, 
passionate in the way that we speak. And we don't always agree. We don't always agree. But I love the guy. I consider him a good friend. We don't socialize or anything like that. I'm in Virginia. He's up in the New York, Connecticut area. But we email from time to time our agreements and our disagreements. He's an extremely smart man and a very kind man. And we don't always agree. And he's a black man and I'm a white man. He's a Gentile, I'm a Jew. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. And when people attack him to me, I defend him. And when people attack me to him, he defends me. He has a good heart. He's a good man. And that's all I care about. And that's really all we should care about. All the rest of it. Skin pigmentation or whatever. What's the point of all that? There is no point of all that. When you watch that three-part special, some of you did, some of you didn't, on the History Channel, that is funded in part by Leo DiCaprio. And I'm no fan of this guy, but I have to say, his support for the three-part series on Ulysses S. Grant, the three-part series on George Washington, these are fantastic programs. What did I do? during the coronavirus with my family members who are here in Virginia. We visited three battlefield sites during the Civil War. Three. Why? Because we're curious? Yes. Why else? Because in the combination of those three battlefields, those three battlefields, there were over 100,000 American casualties. Three battles. What were they fighting for, these men? Well, they were fighting for the Union, on the Union side. The other side was fighting to break away. The Union was fighting to also end slavery. And the Confederacy was fighting to keep it. Americans have fought hard against racism. It's cost an enormous life. People have suffered enormously. We've made tremendous headway. So when people throw around phrases like systemic racism or systemic racism among cops, when the facts simply do not bear that out, When you live in a country where you know that's not the case, where you know there are imperfect situations, imperfect institutions, and quite frankly, some racist bastards. But you know it's a magnificent country. This is why we condemn Kaepernick, who attacks all law enforcement. And most recently, last week, endorsed violent revolution. 
This is why I condemned LeBron James invoking Kaepernick. This is why I dismissed Steve Curry. With all the slaughter that goes on the inner city communities. They barely talk about it. If ever. I'm not interested in opportunists. I'm not interested in exploiters. I'm interested in this country being the best it can be. I don't do this job because it's a job. I could retire tomorrow. I could retire right now. I do it. Because I'm on a mission to save the greatest republic on the face of the earth, to advance the cause of constitutionalism, to advance the cause of liberty and prosperity. And the vast majority of you think exactly the same way because we're Americans. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Conservative Fire. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Working from home is driving up the worst type of cybercrime, home title theft. We're doing it all from home, working, banking, video conferences, meal deliveries, and shopping. Cybercriminals are targeting our homes. Actually, they want the money they can get by taking out loans against your home. The crime is home title theft, and the FBI is warning homeowners. Home title lock is how you protect your home from cyber thieves. Your home's legal title is online where they find it and forge your signature stating you sold your home to them. Then they'll take out loans on your home and leave you in debt. Banks, insurance, and basic identity theft services, they don't protect you. Home title lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. Protect your home now. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see if you're already a victim, and use code MARK for 30 days uh, of protection to help you through this crisis. And that 30 days of protection is free. That's HomeTitleLock.com, HomeTitleLock.com, code MARK. Well, it's an honor to have Rabbi uh, Stephen Berg on the program. I know Rabbi Berg. He is a really stand-up guy. He is... uh, a very important figure in the Jewish community in the United States and around the world. And um, I asked him to be here, not so you have a Hebrew lesson, uh, although that wouldn't hurt me. I asked him to be here because of vandalism that's taken place in Los Angeles that has received almost no attention. Rabbi Berg, how are you, sir? Good, Mark. How are you? I'm, I'm doing okay. Tell me about the vandalism that you're aware of with respect to synagogues? 
Well, it, it's pretty awful, and, and you're right, it hasn't gotten attention, but uh, if you go to Congregation Beth Israel in Los Angeles, you'll see graffiti that says F Israel, Free Palestine. You'll see graffiti on quite a number of synagogues there, and, and tax on other synagogues uh, across the nation, and it's something that literally you, you really won't find much written anywhere about it. So we're having attacks by, by the rioters against synagogues all over the country? Yeah. Yeah, multiple attacks in different cases, and, and unfortunately, it's something we've seen in a lot of places. Uh, you know, in a lot of liberal causes, you find anti-Semitism in the heart and the soul, like the Women's March or, or Black Lives Matter. You know, these are you know apparently important. These are important causes, but you're finding anti-Semites attach themselves within, and and while this is all going on, the Jewish community is getting hit. So, in addition to targeting churches. In addition to targeting the Lincoln Memorial, in addition to targeting the World War II Memorial, in addition to targeting courthouses like in Nashville, and I can go on and on and on, it appears you're telling me that synagogues are specifically being targeted. Jews. Not only, not only is it synagogues, it's Jewish businesses, Jewish neighborhoods. You know, it's something that we've seen all along. You know, people, they hide behind anti-Israel rhetoric, uh, and anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. And it's always during these times that they lash out at our community, and it's something that needs, needs more attention to it, because uh, we're getting hit hard. Have you been approached by the New York Times or the Washington Post? I don't, I'm not aware of anyone nationally that is, is paying attention to this. I think it's something that's flying under the radar, and, and I think it's a travesty. I think, I think our community, even our community, Jewish community, needs to speak out loud and strong about this. We're, just, we're not going to take you know, these people hiding uh, in these riots and, and attacking us. So not the New York Times, not the Washington Post. I take it not PR Reuters. I take it not CNN, not MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS. Newsmax was the only, only one that I was aware of that reached out to me. And then uh, a couple of very few Jewish newspapers made mention of it, but not a lot of press at all. It's, it's getting lost in the mix. Uh, and uh, what kinds of graffiti did you say? Uh, F Israel was written on it, um, you know, Free Palestine, uh, all kinds of, of things that are, are very, very, you know, terrible for Jews. It's the type of stuff that, quite frankly, brings us back to Germany, you know, breaking windows and shuls, vandalism. And, you know, we're coming off a year in Poway and Pittsburgh where Jews were killed in synagogues. You know, we can't forget that before Corona. And, and, and here it is. It's, it's striking us again. Any sports figures come out to your uh, defense, like Steve Kerr? Uh, we have, I, not that I'm aware of. I haven't, I'm not aware of anyone that's really uh, focused on this, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is amazing to me uh, that uh, you saw the Jewish community in Brooklyn being brutalized. Uh, you see during these riots, uh, you're telling me synagogues all across the country, but particularly in L.A. I see here, are being uh, desecrated. And it ju- it's just amazing. And the media has absolutely no interest. It's not like they don't know about it. I saw it on Newsmax. This is why we contacted you. Um, and it's just incredible to me. And it's even more painful because you and I both know that as Jews, no one has stood for, for civil rights and for so many important issues more than the Jewish community. And it's, it's absurd that we can't expect the same type of reaction back to protect our own community. We're so busy helping out the world, we get ignored. But, this, but as you point out, and let me just underscore the point, this seems to be an objective of the sort of Marxist uh, 
anarchists left or even uh, the, uh, the Talib types in the Democrat Party and so forth. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's being uh, displayed in these marches, in these riots and so forth. So these, are, these can hardly be said to be riots on behalf of equality and civil rights if they're targeting synagogues. I couldn't agree more. I mentioned before the, the Women's March where you had Tamika Mallory and Carmen Perez make, who were the heads of the Women's March, make comments that the Jews have collective responsibility for exploiting black and brown people. That, that's what was said, right? And, and when they were asked to, to repudiate Louis Farrakhan calling you and I a bunch of termites, they, they couldn't bring themselves to do that. You're finding these types of anti-Semites hiding behind these liberal causes, and it, it's disgraceful. Mm-hmm. All right, Rabbi. Uh, if you hear more about this, please contact me, and we will uh, continue to shine a light on it. And we wish you all the best, and, and all the people in these synagogues, too. Thank you, Mark. My best to your family, and, and the whole world should heal very, very soon. All right. Take care of yourself. That's Rabbi Stephen Berg. Aish HaTorah, Jerusalem, uh, is uh, where he is, is the head muckety-muck. Can I say that there? He is uh, a really fantastic gentleman. And I only read this in Newsmax. I salute Newsmax. You won't find this in any other media outlet. None. In the entire country. And the reason is simple. Because it's not their narrative. It's not the left's narrative. It's certainly not the New York Times, which did its best to cover up the Holocaust. It's certainly not going to expose this. Instead, we get these nonstop attacks on the President of the United States, nonstop excuses for Antifa, nonstop demands that the President say what the media want him to say, and the Democrats want him to say, and the left wants him to say, and he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. So now let's see. You know, this is like the nursing home situation, which we broke, thanks to a wonderful caller, on March 26th. Now let's see how many news sites, now that they've been informed about this, pick it up. Now let's see if Jeff Zucker, Jewish by birth, and CNN picks up on this. Now let's see if MSNBC picks up on this, or NBC. Now let's see if the Today Show, or Good Morning America, Stephanopoulos, let's see if they pick up on this, the desecration of synagogues by the protesters for liberty and freedom and justice. I would ask Maggie Haberman, how many synagogues have been attacked since the death of Mr. Floyd? Do you know? Do you care? You're going to count them? No. How about Brian Stelter? Is he going to report on this? Not a word. How about all the newsrooms, despite cable channels? Not one of them has covered this. Not one. It's hiding in plain sight. In plain sight. Pretty shocking, don't you think? St. Patrick's Cathedral is hit. A couple of stories and they move on. St. John's is hit. A couple of stories and they move on. The Lincoln Memorial is desecrated. Where Martin Luther King spoke of peaceful protests. Desecrated. The World War II Memorial. 
honoring the men and women who fought Hitler and Tojo and Mussolini, who saved this country, vandalized, vandalized. They tried to rush the White House to decapitate our government. And I'm told, can't we unite? Can't we unite? No. These radical Marxist anarchists must be defeated. They must be put down. That's what a leader does, and that's what this leader does. It's one thing for senators and congressmen to go on cable TV and tell us, can't we all get along? Can't we just unite? Can't we just... I thought we tried that. I thought after the death of George... Floyd, we all did unite. But the American people far outnumber these domestic terrorists. And the American people are sick and tired of their country being torn down. And by American people, I mean all Americans. The whole rainbow coalition. They're sick of it. I feel sorry for these people in these communities. They... You know, and I love it now. Everybody has to, we support peaceful protests. No, they don't. The week before, there were many peaceful protests by people who wanted their jobs back and their businesses back and their liberty back. They were trashed by the media. They were trashed by the left. They were said to be irresponsible. The governors issued orders to shut down their businesses, to shut off their electricity, to shut off their water, the mayors. People were being pulled off beaches. Peaceful protests. They don't believe in peaceful protests. The entire Tea Party movement was a peaceful protest. It was viciously attacked by the media, and it was targeted by Obama and his Internal Revenue Service. Peaceful protests? Really? It's American as apple pie. Except when we peacefully protest... Then it's about white supremacy or neo-Nazis or whatever the hell it is. I bet you if you asked 90% of those rioters who George Floyd is, they'd have no idea. In one of those Jesse Waters interviews, but of course he can't do it among rioters, who's George Floyd? I don't know. I don't know. What happened to George Floyd? I don't know. I don't know. There's a huge disconnect between the self-appointed and self-anointed elitists on the left who work in newspapers and other forms of media and the people they claim to speak for in their neighborhoods and communities in the streets. They have nothing in common. Nothing. Now, some of these folks came out of these communities, but they never went back. Maybe they'll come back over a holiday, you know, Easter, they'll hand out something at Christmas, they'll give them a turkey at Thanksgiving. That's it. Then they're out. They're gone. But they claim to represent these communities. Steve Kerr claims to, in effect, to represent these communities. Jackass doesn't represent anybody. All he does is trash the President of the United States. That's easy. Then you're a big hero. 
Now, I want to see how many athletes, I want to see how many people in Hollywood, I want to see how many coaches, I want to see how many hosts in these newsrooms speak out about the anti-Semitism of these rioters who are desecrating synagogues, targeting synagogues. I want to see this. I want to hear it. Now they all know because I just talked about it. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. The rest of this hour and part of next hour, we're going to focus on the media and how it has defended Antifa or has been silent about Antifa or attacks the president as overstating the role of Antifa. I I kid you not. These are supposed to be news people. News people. T-Mobile, $37 a month. Verizon Wireless, $83 a month. Sprint, $92 a month. That's what the average family of four is saving a month by switching to Pure Talk USA. If you're looking to cut costs and free up cash on a monthly basis, start with your wireless provider. Pure Talk covers 99% of Americans. Their call center is all based right here in America. And their president and CEO is a U.S. veteran, not your typical Wall Street exec pulling in $50 million a year. Start saving immediately. Dial pound 250 and say keyword Mark Levin for unlimited talk unlimited text, and one gig of data for just $20 a month. Plus, you'll get 50% off your first month. Stop paying too much to big wireless providers. Switch to Pure Talk today and save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250 and say the keyword Mark Levin. That's pound 250, keyword Mark Levin. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. All right. Antifa is a violent Marxist anarchist Militia group. Imagine if it was a neo-Nazi group. It is the flip side of a neo-Nazi group. It is violent. Extremely violent. And it believes in the overthrow of the country. And it secretes itself in various protests and marches. It is highly well-funded. I suspect if there's foreign money coming in here, it's from somebody or some country. Highly well organized, and it has as its target the police and the destruction of communities in order to try and bring down society. Back in August 2018, when again people were pointing out Antifa, its violence, its anti-Americanism, that it is an organization that seeks to bring down the country. Here's Don Lemon. Don Lemon on CNN, August 2018. Cut 15, go. It says it right in the name, Antifa, anti-fascism, which is what they were there um, fighting. Listen, there's, you know, no organization is perfect. There was some violence. Um, no one condones the violence, but there were different reasons for Antifa and for these neo-Nazis uh, to be there. One, racist, fascists. The other group fighting racist fascists. There is a fascist. There is a distinction there. There you go. There's a distinction there. It is amazing to me what the media have become in this country. But you need to understand, Jeff Zucker, 
according to a New York Times piece the other day, I'll get to it at some point, but not today because I happen to be in it, is flirting with running for mayor of New York. So this man is using CNN as a political launching pad. And he has done more to destroy the American media. He, MSNBC, the New York Times, and the Washington Post. Those four. Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC today defends Antifa. Cut 16, go. President Trump, as I was suggesting, and the Attorney General Bill Barr are blaming Antifa for the violence that has erupted over the last four days and nights. Despite reporting from NBC News contributor Frank Fuglisi, a former career FBI counterintelligence official, that in fact there are indications of more right-wing white supremacists. Ah, well, you know what? I have to go to a hard break, but next hour, let us repeat. It's the white supremacists who are doing it. Well, round them up. Who are they? More when I return. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. My fear is that the American people who are watching these riots, watching their fellow citizens being brutalized, watching their fellow citizens lose their stores, lose their income, watching looters and arsonists destroy their communities, watch people or desecrating monuments and churches and synagogues, desecrating the country they love, many of whom fought for, many of whom's, whom's, whose families have fought for, there's going to be a point of fury with a law abiding take action. And that's why it was so important that the president did what he did today. It's obvious local law enforcement is overwhelmed. It's obvious left-wing mayors are incapable of managing their cities. The same can be said of these governors. And I'm telling you, I'm not urging it, I'm worried about it. That the more this goes on and the more it spreads, people could take matters into their own hands. Once more, just to be clear, because there are Antifa-like websites out there, 
that seek to destroy our country and seek to destroy our free speech and seek to destroy people like me. I'm not encouraging this. I'm saying that there's a sleeping giant out there, and that is the law-abiding people of this country, of all races, all backgrounds, all communities. And there's going to be a point at which they say, enough is enough, and that will spread from one part of the country to the other. This is why I relentlessly and constantly talk about defending the civil society and having a rule of law. These rioters think they have an upper hand. I don't know who they think they have an upper hand on. But I can assure you, there's tens of millions of law-abiding citizens And if they choose to take the law into their own hands, these rioters won't know what hit them. For the third time, I'm not encouraging this. I am concerned about it. I'm concerned about it. You can also see why many of us believe in the Bill of Rights. The Constitution but the Bill of Rights that protects the individual. Many of us believe in the First Amendment, and we also believe in the Second Amendment. And the problem is, in a lot of these cities where you have people who, who have to rely on local government, who have to rely on local police to protect them, and yet they can be overwhelmed, these communities, as they are today, many of them, they've been disarmed. They can't protect themselves. So they're beaten to a pulp. Their private property is stolen. Their store is burned to the ground. I fear for the future of this country. And I believe what the president did is crucially important to save it. Do not... Do not open your reality to what you know to be true and what's going on to propagandists at CNN and MSNBC, at the New York Times and the Washington Post. Do not let these people into your life because they are, in fact, the enemy of the people. And no, it's not I who encourage law enforcement or rioters to attack the press. I reject it completely. Leave them alone. Leave them alone, like all other law-abiding citizens. But the press destroys itself, as it's doing as I speak. As I speak. The press participated in a coup. The press has been undermining the Constitution. The press rejected the peaceful transition of power. The press has inflamed the people of this country and divided the people of this country. Politicians do too, but the press should be above that, and it's not. It's absolutely not. We, the people, need to stand behind law enforcement, not bad cops. Who stands behind bad cops? We spoke with one great voice as Americans. When George 
Floyd, when Mr. Floyd was killed. But it's all come apart now. And for the left, for Hollywood and the media, they want to blame Trump. It's not Trump. President today was Churchillian. He truly was. I couldn't be more proud. He, he deserves our praise for what he's doing. He sees the unraveling of the cities. He sees the unraveling of these states. And he's stepping in because in the end, ladies and gentlemen, we are citizens not just of a city or a state, but of the United States. Of the United States. He's had to step in to save these governors when it came to the virus, quite frankly. And now he has to step in to put down the rioters. And these rioters are the enemy of the country. They are the enemy of the country. And so, I don't buy the propaganda about systemic racism. We have systemic, good-hearted people. People who mean well. And millions and millions of acts every day that we never see that are never reported. American helping American. You look at our military, it's fully integrated. Americans standing, defending each other. And defending our country. You look at our police forces all over the country, particularly the large ones, fully integrated. Police officers standing shoulder to shoulder in the streets against the enemy rioters, regardless of race. You look at our sports teams, people of all races. Look how they get along, teams. The classrooms in this country, the unions in this country, the assembly lines in this country, more diverse than any other country in the face of the earth, more diverse than our country's ever been. You look at interracial marriage in this country, it's skyrocketing. It's skyrocketing. We're a good country. But people want to use a horrible event like the murder of George Floyd to trash it. To attack it. You watch the left, the elitist left, who control the airwaves, who control the newspapers, who control the schools, who control entertainment. They're very quiet about the rioting. Or they wish to spin it, redefine it. Because it's not happening in their neighborhoods. No, I don't know what it's like to be an African American. I also don't know what it's like to be a billion dollar basketball player. Who chooses not to live in these neighborhoods anymore. Why is that? Why is that? Are they dangerous? Why is that? Not allowed to ask. Well, I just did. When these communities burn and so forth and so on, 
They're not there anymore. They don't live there anymore. As I said, they go there to hand out turkeys on Thanksgiving or they'll create a foundation and so forth, but they're not part of those communities anymore. And some, like Steve Kerr, never were. Just easier to blame a president or a tweet. Does anybody here believe those rioters are on Twitter reading the president's tweets, Mr. Producer? Think that's what's motivating them? That SOB Trump, did you see what he tweeted out? Let's get him, get him, get him. No, of course not. That may upset Andrea Mitchell or Don Lemon or Jeff Zucker who wants to run for mayor in New York City. It doesn't upset anybody else. Nobody else. You go in those streets with those rioters, not that you would, and you ask them, what did Trump tweet today? They have no idea because they're not watching it. They're not watching it. Now, Antifa, you heard Don Lemon not only excused Antifa, actually celebrated it. When we were rudely interrupted by a hard break, I was playing for you Andrea Mitchell. Now, Andrea Mitchell doesn't live in any of these communities. She doesn't have the foggiest idea what the hell's going on. The Justice Department has very significant intelligence activity that goes on, surveillance activity. They have, uh, for lack of a better word, spies that they implant in these various groups. You know, the way Obama implanted them in the Trump campaign. But here's Andrea Mitchell today, who basically defends Antifa. And then says it's not Antifa, it's white supremacist groups. Now, the, most frequently the, the, the threats on my life that I get are from white supremacist groups, actually. They're from neo-Nazi groups. And most of the people who try and call in here and destroy this radio show's substance are the same. Right, Mr. Producer? That's who they are. They're not leftists. They are these white supremacists and these neo-Nazis. So we're now to believe that the Klan and white supremacist groups are behind these riots. Well, maybe that's true. Can we see some proof? What are their names? Let's round them up like the bastards they are and throw them in, a, in, in prison. But where does Andrea Mitchell get this from? And why is she deflecting from Antifa? Cut 16, Newsbusters, go. President Trump, as I was suggesting, and the Attorney General Bill Barr, are blaming Antifa for the violence that has erupted over the last And by the way, days. it's not just, she's so dishonest, the President and Bill Barr. Almost every mayor and every governor has said the same thing. Almost every police chief has said the same thing. And they're all Democrats. So why does she talk like this? She is inflaming the situation. They all are in the media. Go ahead. Despite reporting from NBC News contributor Frank Fuglisi, a former career FBI... She can't even pronounce the guy's name. Frank... Head. 
Now, Frank, for, for, former FBI counterintelligence official, what the hell would a counterintelligence official know about this? Anyway, Mr. Producer, go. That, in fact, there are indications of more right-wing white supremacist groups or activists present among the outside agitators. The president says he will designate Antifa a terrorist organization. Antifa has no known headquarters or central organization. So what? Now, he's not going to be able to do it, of course, because the law doesn't permit it. But he's announcing that they're a terrorist group, which he should. But this seems to offend Andrew. Look, they don't have any headquarters. There's no central organization. So what? Go ahead. Legal procedure for such a designation against a domestic group. NBC News investigative reporter Tom Winter joins me now. Tom, I know you've spent uh, days, the weekend, uh, going into uh, not only Antifa and what the indications are in in this situation, but the president and the Attorney General may be cherry-picking the intelligence. Absolutely disgusting. That's why I said don't watch any or listen to any of this, ladies and gentlemen. All you're going to get are lies. Filthy, damnable lies. Here's Willie Geist and Kelly O'Donnell on the Today Show. Again, thanks to our brothers and sisters at Newsbusters. Cut 19, go. Protests continued last night outside of the White House as well and across Washington, where police broke up crowds by firing tear gas and pepper spray at protesters. This, as President Trump and Attorney General William Barr blamed left-wing anarchist groups for the national violence. There you go. Well, see, that can't be true. But of course it's true. And I have more. I actually have a top official at the NYPD... Who says, oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm sure he'll be on NBC News or MSNBC in any moment. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. On Sunday night, this is uh, NBC News, New York's top terrorism cop, Deputy Commissioner for Intelligence and Counterterrorism, John Miller, who has worked in the Justice Department, worked under Democrats and Republicans, and now works under de Blasio, 
detailed his office's analysis and investigation into why the New York City protests had become so violent and damaging at times. Number one, before the protests began, he said, organizers of certain anarchist groups set out to raise bail money and people who would be responsible for be raising bail money. They set out to recruit medics and medical teams with gear to deploy in anticipation of violent interactions with police. They prepared to commit property damage and directed people who were following them that this should be done selectively and only in wealthier areas or at high-end stores run by corporate entities. And they developed a complex network of bicycle scouts to move ahead of demonstrators in different directions of where police were and where police were not for purposes of being able to direct groups from the larger group to places where they could commit acts of vandalism, including the torching of police vehicles and Molotov cocktails where they thought officers would not be. Miller said that a review of 686 arrests since Thursday found one out of seven were from outside New York City, including Iowa, Nevada, Texas, and a number of other states. We believe that a significant amount of people who came here from out of the area, who've come here as well as the advanced preparation, having advanced scouts, the use of encrypted information, resupply routes for things such as gasoline and accelerants, as well as rocks and bottles, and the raising of bail, placing of medics, taken together, strong indicator of what? Antifa. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. This is where Hollywood liberals come for rehab. The Mark Levin Show is back at 877-381-3811. You know, I mentioned this a few months ago during the virus, or the, the heat of the virus, that as a result of the coronavirus, this whole progressive model of mass transit, of dense populations... Uh, people living in small apartments, one on top of the other, in easily, quote-unquote, managed and controlled cities, that it has completely fallen apart. Well, if it didn't completely fall apart as a result of the uh, Wuhan China virus, it's fallen apart now. Because you got to be nuts to want to live in one of these cities and one of these communities by choice. No offense. The quality of life sucks. The politicians are the worst. They can't protect you, which it seems to me is the number one issue. 
The schools, thanks to the NEA and the lack of school choice, are awful. And you get to pay massive taxes for all the the benefits. So I think what you're going to see is the voluntary depopulation of these metropolitan areas. Where people who want to live safe and free and prosperous lives leave. I think you'll see a lot of them move into red states. And from a political and uh, geographic perspective, my concern is they'll vote Democrat as they always do. The people in the cities. And they'll destroy what's left. It is a bizarre contradiction. But I've seen it happen in my own county. Which was... And is an expert, but people leaving Washington, D.C., people leaving Maryland, people leaving Arlington, Virginia, and so forth, they move out to Loudoun County or some of these outer counties, and they vote in exactly the same ideologues. Destroy the tax base, destroy the school systems over and over and over again. But I think you're going to see significant demographic movement in this country away from the inner cities and further out to the suburbs and the exurbs and, and into the red states that are run well for the most part, whether it's the virus or whether it's law and order. Now, Cornell West is a hardcore radical who also believes in the overthrow of the government and the country in one form or another. Um... And yet, he was on CNN on Friday, and he was on Fox on Sunday. Again, I don't care what the news platform is. Why do you give voice to the most radical and extreme people? What exactly do they contribute to the discussion, let alone news? Absolutely nothing. Perhaps they think it's a ratings bump. I don't know. But I want you to listen to what Cornell West has said. Cornell West has survived beautifully through our university system and tenure. But here's what he says. And by the way, they don't invite Shelby Steele, Bob Woodson, scores of others who are African Americans who have a completely different take on events than Cornell West or Michael Dyson, so forth. Cut 17, go. The question is, we must fight. Even in a moment in which we have a failed social experiment, we must fight. And we must have an anti-fascist coalition against what's going on in the White House Republican Party. So stop, stop, stop. So in other words, America is a failed social experiment. Capitalism is a failed social experiment. And the Republican Party in the White House is fascistic. This guy's on CNN with Anderson Cooper. Friday night. Go ahead. Milk toast, cowardly activity too often uh, that we see among the neoliberal wing of the Democratic Party, and we must be critical of ourselves in terms of keeping alive the highest moral and spiritual standards of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm. and Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker. And you see that work in the soul. 
Oh, Brother George Floyd's family. All right. So impressive was he on CNN. Then he shows up Sunday on cable news. And watch his contribution there. Cut 18, go. Well, I think what we're seeing here is the ways in which the vicious legacy of white supremacy manifest in organized hatred, greed, and corruption. So, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? You have this bad cop who kills an innocent man. The country, it's got to be like 99.9% of the country unites around the, the demand that this uh, police officer be charged and the horror of what happened to this African-American gentleman. I mean, it was horrific. He's a human being. And we talked to, I mean, got it. So anyway, Cornell West talks about white supremacy, the vicious legacy of supremacy, manifest organized hatred, greed, and corruption. Who is he talking about? What does that have to do with the, 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 the murder, the killing of George Floyd? This is what I mean. It's, it's like exploitation. It's like the poor guy. We don't even know that much about him as I dig to learn more about him. The good, the bad, and the ugly like all the rest of us. Nobody deserves to die like that. Isn't that the discussion? But no, apparently not. Go ahead. We're dealing with moral meltdown and spiritual breakdown. And the sad thing about this moment, my dear brother Chris, is that we are witnessing the collapse of the legitimacy of leadership, the political class, the economic class, the professional class. By the way, by the way, in, in a lot of nationalist populist Republican types use the same kind of language. This is all Marxist language. Political class, economic class, professional class. We're all broken down into various classes. And that is done to divide and conquer as opposed to, you know, we're Americans. We don't recognize classes. Go ahead. Deeper crisis. And so the, the beautiful thing is we're seeing citizens who are caring and concerned. They're hitting the streets. So you kill a black brother. Each life, no matter what color, precious. We're seeing black, white, red, yellow, especially young people coming together. That's a beautiful thing. Many decades ago, that wasn't the case. But the problem is we have a system that's not responding and seems to be unable to respond. Yeah, well, the system actually responded immediately. Local, state, and federal law enforcement and prosecutors. It actually responded very, very well in record time with the backing of the American people, an entire rainbow coalition. But it still confounds me. What is it about Cornell West that he suddenly is on the booking circuit for cable TV? We know what he's going to say. He says it every time. Think that added anything to the discussion? No, it didn't add a thing. Very troubling, as a matter of fact. Biden was in the, the Bethel AME Church in Wilmington, Delaware today with about 15 preachers selected by him and his campaign, who he's known apparently for some time. And the audio is okay. It's not great. But that's not due to us. That's due to him. 
And I watched the beginning of it. It was rambling. It was an attack on Trump. He says if Trump had acted earlier, we would have saved 45,000 lives of the coronavirus. This is really vile, absolutely vile to talk that way. And then he and his party and his media claim that they want unity. Can't the president give a compassionate unity speech? Tell me, when is the first time, let alone last time, Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer have done that? Or Joe Biden? Nancy Pelosi, as best as I can tell, hasn't denounced the violence yet. Neither has Chuck Schumer. Or if they had, it's so quiet. It's been whispered, you can't even tell. And Joe Biden did it in such a passive way the other day. It was passive. And you know, violence isn't a good thing. But let me tell you about Trump. Cut five, go. He just hides. And and by the way, let me me stop here. You know what, I'm not even going to play this. Let me just say this to you. These cities are run by Democrats. They're run by the Democrat Party. Most of these states, not all, but most of them are one-party Democrat states run by the Democrat Party. Most of these police chiefs have an affiliation with the Democrat politicians. Same with the prosecutors. Does the Democrat Party take any responsibility for anything? Barack Obama puts out statements like he's a wise philosopher and observer of the current scene. Barack Obama was president for eight years. He personally blocked school choice in black neighborhoods and Latino neighborhoods. Joe Biden was his vice president for eight years. And for 36 years before that, Joe Biden was a United States senator. How is it that they're not held accountable for anything? If there are these systemic, what do they do about it? Barack Obama chose two attorneys general, Eric Holder, an African-American, Loretta Lynch, an African-American. They were in charge of the Department of Justice. They were in charge of the Civil Rights Division. They were in charge of the criminal division. They were in charge of everything. If there's systemic racism, what do they do about it? Now they're issuing, you know, tweets and statements, which we're supposed to take seriously. Nancy Pelosi has been Speaker of the House twice. She's been in Congress around 30 years. If there's systemic racism, what has she done about it? Chuck Schumer has been in the House and the Senate for virtually his entire career. If there's systemic racism, what have they done about it? Nothing. What have they done for the inner city poor? Opened immigration wide to the world's poor. And we know as a matter of statistical fact, that drives black citizens and Latino citizens out of jobs. It also drives down their wages. How do you like that? And it's happening in every metropolitan area. Run by Democrats. 
And the Democrat national policy is open borders to the world's population. Most of whom, when they come here illegally, go into our inner cities and are poor. And sop up the job market. What are the Democrats doing for education in the inner city? Nothing. Spend more money in failing schools in crime-ridden areas. Well, libertarians and conservatives have come up with an alternative, school choice. If the money follows the student in college, as we used to say, as my buddy Larry Elder says, why shouldn't the money follow the student when it comes to K-12? through And you know who opposes it, Mr. Producer? The white gentry liberal in the inner city. Are you surprised by that? The Georgetown set. They don't want it. It's one thing to have a theory and an abstraction about equality. It's quite another to have it in your front yard, apparently. All right, I'll be right back. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, I have a challenge. A challenge to Kaepernick and James and Kerry. A challenge to West. A challenge to everybody. Barack Obama and Joe Biden. You want to make a difference in poor minority communities? How about we all start with education? And how about we all start with school choice? How about we all unite around education choice? To help these kids learn. To help these kids with math and language and history. How about we do that as a first step? It's not hard. Just got to break the teachers' union and push back against the, the politicians. Can we unite in this, America? Let's bring real, quality, substantive education to the inner cities. Let's get around education choice, school choice. So poor 
black and Hispanic parents can get their kids educated too. And then I think the values and the traditions that are at the core of this country, well, it can help spread them and unite us. How about we all get behind that, Mr. Obama? Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel. God bless you all. God bless you all. We're behind you. And I'll see you tomorrow. Be safe and take care. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.